Welcome to the Cry Mitt Mode podcast. A combination of our names. I'm Kippy Mitt. And I'm Rybert Mode. If you like consistency, then go somewhere else. Because this podcast is ever-changing. Alright, so this is week four of the, of the Crunchy Dive High Roll game. One month in, very Yay. few surprises. Uh, especially in the first episode we watched today. Mm, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty straightforward. But uh, yeah, before that, a quick contextualization. We're playing a thing known as the Crunchy Dive High Roll game. We, pick, we picked four animes uh, at random using a numbering system in the first episode, and we're seeing which one will make it to six episodes first. So far, three of the original four are still in the contention, and we've just eliminated a new pod, uh, a new anime every podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this one first, don't, don't, don't listen to this one first. Go back. Go back like two, three, two, three episodes. Three. It's the first episode's called the Crunchyroll Game. Listen to that one because we're going to be talking about the fourth episode of three animes and the first episode of another. And if we ever do this contest again, I think we need to make it more brutal. I think we need to eliminate two every episode. Not this time. It's too late now. No. But that would make it devastating. No, because you know what would happen. What? We just keep getting rid of the high dive ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If it, if it was between Kokoku, Star Blazers, okay, but, and Dance Dance but, Dancer. But Kokoku is a diamond in the rough right now. Uh, this is probably not a... But we could also do a format where we only do one high dive episode as the sacrifice. <laughs> and then we do three crunchy rolls. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, is there any other contextualization? I'm I'm Rybert Mode. You heard that in the intro. I'm not going to introduce myself because you've also heard of it. Heard mm, it. Yeah. yeah. And you haven't changed who you are in that tiny I period haven't, of time. I haven't morphed. Uh, so, great. So, we're starting out. Uh, we watched the fourth episode of Star Blazers Space Battleship Yamato. And that uh, was titled Gravestone on a Frozen Field. And before the episode started, we guessed a few things. We did. That, yeah. Yeah, we, we guessed a, a number of things that turned out to be true. And, and as it was going on, we guessed more things that also turned out to be accurate. <laughs> uh, the only thing we didn't guess was who was piloting a ship at a certain point, but that's also but shouldn't that have been a surprise. No, yeah. it also wasn't, uh, once you see the yeah. shape of the person. Speaking of frozen planets, this episode starts on Pluto, where the Gamillas have their main forward operating base. Or as someone likes to say, the Gamis. The Gamis is a, <laughs> like... I guess it's probably a racially charged term they call them. <laughs> like, like I want to see a Gamilla react to being called a Gami. Hey, listen, I know we're at war. But there's no reason to call us that. We don't call you humies. What did you just say? I'm saying we don't. We don't call you hums. <laughs> we don't call you hums. <laughs> uh, so the g guy who's in charge of the Gamillas in our solar system, I don't know his rank, is talking to the major general of the Gamillas, who is like, <laughs> he's talking to him on a hologram, and the major general is a 
very obvious space villain. He has a thin mustache and a cape. <laughs> like, I am the good guy. They, you must defeat the humans now. Even though, uh, and this is, we start finding out things about the Gamilla's uh, society in that they consider the people who are fighting the humans in the solar system to be second class citizens. And they're giving them, offering to promote them to first class citizens if they win, despite their quote unquote inferior blood. I want to be a citizen. I want to be a citizen. More starship troopers. And also, weird, like, race science that the Gamillas are doing. They're doing Nazi stuff. The Gamillas don't seem like a great society. I think the Gamillas are kind of Nazis. <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems like they're Nazis. <laughs> they're... Anyways, the Gamillas are asking about... <laughs> or uh, the Gamilla leader... In in our solar system is, like, how the hell did they blow up an entire base? What kind of weapon could do that? Weren't they just, they were also talking about their jump. No, they can't do Yeah, that. they keep saying they can't, they're too inferior to come up with something like that. To uh, travel through space at that speed. Yeah. Jump through. Uh, we go to the boardroom of the space battleship Yamato, and they're about to approach Pluto. They, uh, they're coming fairly close to it. And they are discussing whether or not they're going to just go, <laughs> from what it sounds like, go and just blow up Pluto. And our main character is full steam blow everyone up. Very pro the entire destruction of Pluto. Yeah, he wants to use that big gun to blow up a planet. I mean, given the chance, I'd want to, and you're the guy who gets to hold the trigger. Yeah, I'd be on board with it. <laughs> well, you better be on board. Because it's a boat? Because yeah. it's they're, cause they're <laughs> and sailors? You, and you would be, if the, you weren't, you'd be floating. The train, ah, I see, dead. I'd be dead. You'd, I'd be yeah. dead, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be Jack, I wouldn't be... Rose. Rose, there we go. <laughs> Listen, who can remember a word like Rose? His friend, I believe, is not pro blowing up Pluto, but he's saying the reason for that is that it's out of the way. And it's not actually their mission objective to blow up Pluto. Uh, their mission objective can't have any delays. And then they get a message that a distress signal is coming in from a uh, moon around Saturn. Uh, and they're arguing about what to do. Because suddenly uh, Kodai's friend is is like, well, actually, we should go and check out Saturn. And Kodai was like, you were just telling me I couldn't blow up a planet. What the hell is wrong with you? And Kodai is like, we don't leave sailors behind. We're sailors, and they really, they really beat that sailor drum a lot in this show, where they like they can't stop referencing the fact that they're basically sailing through the ocean. Their argument also continues at lunchtime. It looks like or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and we and we can get to that because it's it's very funny how how their argument ends up resolving. But yeah, so they're arguing about this whether to go blow up Pluto or check out a distress signal or just continue on their mission without uh, stopping for either. And then, oh no! Engineering's calling. The engine is melting. The engine condenser is leaking and, like, melting, and it, the melted material is falling on things and melting through that. And they're just, like, there's no reason for it to have happened. It's just happening. And they're like, yeah, we could, this could be really bad. But but what, what could our solution be? 
well, it turns out we need this thing called Cosmonite. But we don't have enough Cosmonite. But you know what turns out to have some Cosmonite? I'm not sure what, but it, it we tur- can't delay our mission by two days. No, no, but it does turn out that that moon on Saturn, or that moon orbiting Saturn, has Cosmonite on it. So they're like, well, we're going to the moon. How convenient. How beautifully convenient. And then uh, this is the point where you turn to me and say, so this is just, an e- they're just mining this episode? <laughs> because they literally said, we're not going to stop mining till it's done. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, they go to that moon. Uh, we then are in the lunchroom, which is like, the the rest of the ship is very utilitarian. Like, it's not super overly designed or anything. And then the lunchroom is just, like, Gucci. it looks so nice and cozy and, like, warm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bougie lunchroom. And they're talking about how there's a food atomizer thingamajig that can make food, any food you want, but they don't know what it's made from. Uh, so probably made from their, their waste. As someone says, you don't want to know where it comes from. But I like to think they're eating people. That's exactly where my brain went first. <laughs> I was like, oh, the people that die. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, we don't have enough dead people. We need to have a battle today to get some more food. Quick, open the door when someone walks by. Oh no, they've <laughs> accidentally fallen out. Uh, and the, the, uh, XO officer is just, like, the one who's like, yeah, you random guys don't want to know what this food is made out of. And he's eating, like, four cube, four, like, t- tiny food cubes, and someone's like, you can have more. He's like, we're a battleship, not a cruise. And a guy with a plate full of food is like, oh, <laughs> I'd be that guy. Uh, and then... Uh, he sees Kodai and his friend sitting together, and he's, like, smiling to himself. He's like, oh, those boys are gonna make up. Uh, and, and then... And they make up. Yeah, they make up. And how do, how do, what does, what does his friend say specifically that really out, leads... Out of absolutely nowhere, they're kind of arguing about why they didn't go blow up mm-hmm. uh, the planet. And then his friend just says, I didn't tell you this, but... My father. Wasn't his father? It was his father. My father was a captain or sailor. Sailor. And then just goes into detail. Yeah. About and his dad being a sailor. And then his dad is like, and you never leave a, a sailman behind in space. In, in, in because they're watching spaceships lift off. And, like,. So are they just calling astronauts sailors in this in this universe, or was his yes. dad like an ocean sailor? I think it's just <laughs> you sail the open skies. You, you sailed the pitch black sea, uh, and yeah. So he's, and then they uh, they show that they've uh, gotten their friendship back by fist bumping each other. Yeah, and uh, then. Mori, uh, the the character who is clearly the alien, well, we'll get to that <laughs> too. There's a couple girls, I think, watching them. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And they're like, oh my god, they're so cute. And that's where Mori. And then I think one of them is even like, look, they're making up. I look up to them, and she's like, they're children. Don't look up to them. Don't look up to them. They are fools. They shouldn't be in charge. Which I agree with. And they then do. I think immediately the girls go, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, 
Okay, then we uh, we get the white-haired uh, woman who cut her hair and wants to be a battleship pilot, but she's been assigned to accounting. And accounting's going good. She's yeah yeah yeah. She's she's like uh, telling the the priest pilot guy, uh, yeah yeah. Here you you have your requisition for ammo. He's like, how's accounting? She's like, it has its moments. Once again, what are they using accounting for? Mm. Uh, and we see the, and we're definitely just having this exchange because these characters haven't done that much yet in this show. So just so we don't forget that they're there when they show up later in the episode. Um, okay, so they are then instructed. Uh, they 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 arrive at Saturn and they're talking about a thing that I thought would, I guess it did come up near the end, is that tidal tidal gravity caused by the planet Saturn on this moon causes frozen geysers to erupt and shoot out like comets. Mm -hmm. And that's just a really cool space thing. Uh, They go in uh, into a crevasse and they start mining and then they instruct Morai to go and... You say it crevasse? Crevice? Yeah, I say crevice. Yeah, crevice. You're probably right. Uh, I don't know if there is a right or wrong way. I feel like a crevasse is a different thing. I have no idea. Do you want to look it up real quick? (laughs) It's a deep crack that forms in a glacier or ice sheet. Yeah. And then crevice is a narrow opening or fissure, especially in a rock or wall. I guess they're going into rock, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So they're they're going into a crevice then. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Quick detour. I'll just delete all of that. (laughs) (laughs) So they go into a crevice. And uh, they arrive, and then they're like, Mori, go and... Mori. Is it Mori? Yeah. Oh. Mori, go and uh, check out the distress signal. And she's like, okay. And then the captain is like, and Kodai, you go with her. And she's like, I don't I don't want to go with Kodai. I, he's dumb. And, and then they're like, nope, Kodai's going with you. So they go off together to investigate the distress beacon. And then Kodai says the most... Toxic masculinity thing when oh, he's in yeah. the ship where he's Be- like, good thing I came along. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been you two girls and that robot. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> for uh, unknown reason, they also send the robot. Yeah, AU09. Analyzer, which is... <laughs> Analyzer. And so he, he uses his name, which I find funny, too. Uh yeah, so I they send a medic. A they name. send a medic, which makes sense. And then they send the robot, which doesn't... Like, he is there, and they, it's good he's there, because he opens one door, and that's his entire purpose for joining them. They even say that uh, when the girl gets stuck behind the door. Yeah. She says, you're so useless. And then two minutes later, wow, you can do something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, you can do something. Uh, and then, yeah, so they take the robot, and then the girl in the back of the ship, the medic, is like, oh my god, I think there's some, like, romantic tension between these two, because she just sees a woman and a man in the same room, I guess. And and then Analyzer does the most zero-chill thing I can imagine, because this girl whispers it to Analyzer, like, yeah, I think they have some chemistry. And Analyzer goes, I have detected no chemical change in the atmosphere! The funniest part about that is the two characters in the front. Don't acknowledge it. No. Yeah, they're Kodai just... and Mori don't even look back. <laughs> yeah, they're like, whatever. <laughs> this is dumb. Uh, oh, yeah, someone, uh, they're talking about how Kodai has no game with women. Uh, one of his instructors who's uh, on the mining operation. 
and he says re- not just that he doesn't have game that he's a uh, he doesn't understand like he doesn't uh what's the word he doesn't know like he he he's very um he says dumb things without knowing it kind of and like takes them off but yeah, yeah again, he, he the doesn't term he uses uh, he yeah basically he just doesn't understand he has no women. tact uh but yeah yeah i can't remember their ex- i think they said he's oblivious with women yeah yeah i think you're right yeah he's oblivious uh, okay. Uh, and then one of them refers to her as princess, which I increasingly believed was just an insult, but I initially thought that they were actually calling her a princess, because they must know she's an alien, right? Yes. We were, we, when we first heard it, we both were like, oh, okay. But, but then Kodai really throws a wrench in that mix, because when he's talking with her, he flashes back to her dead sister, who looks exactly like her, and then he goes... Hey, I have a question. Are you related to aliens? And she goes, huh? And he goes, never mind. Leading us to believe they don't know she... (laughs) I'm not sure she does. I feel like she somehow lost her memory. Yeah, maybe she doesn't know. Like, she's a sleeper agent or something like that. Like, it's very strange, because it's... (laughs) Although, she was very much like, oh, Sasha's down there alone. Better throw flowers. Yeah, she seems to know. Like, I'd be very weirded out if she wasn't an alien. If she didn't know. Yeah, I'm kind of confused by this whole thing. Yeah, the alien thing is not super clear. Uh, So they get to the ship. Everyone on it is frozen to death. But they're still checking them with a beeper to be like, are they alive? No. Someone's face is literally frozen with their teeth showing and their (laughs) eyes wide open. Yeah. And they check to see if they're alive. (laughs) He's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they, uh, and so they they flew out to this distress beacon in a ship. They get in, they just find some stairs, uh, and it is a UN, UNFC, I think. No, UNC something. They're, Hmm. they're. Space Force uh, thing. It is one of their ships. You and I, pretty much from the outset of this episode, were like, this is his brother's ship. It's obviously going to be his brother's ship. Even before this, you said something along the lines of, his brother's going to be in this episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't, but... He wasn't. The memory of him was. Yes. Uh, so, uh, then, it turns out the Gamillas have tanks on, on the Saturn moon, so they, like, are just driving tanks around, and they shoot them at them. Uh, the Gamillas have the express orders to capture the humans to find out their weaponry and their warp drive. I do like that they have that, and then they just assume no one's in the ship. So they just blow it up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Mori, the, the medic, and... I forgot his Koda. Kodai are just stuck in the... Yeah, they're stuck in the frozen one. Uh, Mori messages the Yamato on the radio on that spaceship. And uh, but and I like this, because they we don't really see what's happening on the Yamato for quite a bit uh, in this sequence. And then she radios them, and she's like, can you send assistance? And they're like, we are also under attack right now. And then it cuts to the Yamato, and they're just getting fired at. And I kind of loved and that And they can't do anything. Yeah, they can't lift off. Uh, but they're also weirdly like, <laughs> what, they think they're going to hurt the Yamato? And then we just see them firing round after round into its hull. And the Yamato's going, brr, brr, yeah. brr. <laughs> It's like, are we sure they can't? It seems like they're doing something. Uh, uh, we see a very pathetic laser that the humans have set up that just, like, fires a tiny beam at the Gamilla tank, and it just goes, pew. And then they just blow it up with their tanks. Uh, and then someone steals a ship. 
Oh, who could it be? Who could it be? We actually didn't guess this in time, but it's uh, we were like, maybe it's Kodai's friend? Like, I don't know. To be fair, this character's like... She hasn't done much. No, yeah. She's uh, in accounting. Yeah, but the, it's the white-haired woman in accounting steals a ship and just starts blowing up the tanks before anyone else does. Like, no one thinks to use the they jets ke- they have to fight. She, They keep telling her to go back. They do, and then she keeps not going back, which good for the main characters. Uh, so then we have the Gamillas who are in super creepy outfits, and they're moving in like a weird kind of janky way. Like but they then- almost move like marionettes, uh, and they break in and actually have a gunfight with Kodai, and then they kidnap Mori, and they start leaving with her, and Kodai shoots one of them a bunch of times. And we find out that they're robots. They're robots because the medic is like. I gotta save them! Yeah. Uh, but first, quick, very quickly, the medic falls into a room and then it seals behind her with Analyzer in the room. And Kodai's like, oh god, we gotta get you out of there! And then Analyzer just melts the side of the door and they get out. And that's, and that's where he's useful. That's just a beat that allows Mori to get kidnapped, pretty much. Like, that's why she, that's there. She gets kidnapped, take taken out of the ship yeah. and then immediately dropped. Yes, uh I love I love the animation for how the robots move because they do move like they're being like puppet mastered and especially they stand in this weird stance when they fire where their legs are spread out as wide as possible and then narrow to the ground. So they're just making this diamond shape with their legs. And then they're like, bang, bang, bang! <laughs> uh, yeah, Kodai just... Uh, he loses his gun and there's a frozen gun on the ground that's come kind of loose. So he picks it up and he starts shooting them. And uh, what we, we basically, once again, immediately, that's his brother's gun. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, who would have known? It's his brother's gun. Yeah, and that's when he starts calling them gammies, which is just, like, great to know that he's racist and wants to blow up Pluto. Was it Kodai that did that? I thought Kodai it... started calling them. I thought no, it was... No, I thought it was the guy driving one of the ships. He's like, I got the gami! Oh, it might have been. Uh, yeah, okay. I might have just mixed up my notes there. Uh, so he chases uh, the last remaining gami robot to the edge of a cliff, uh, and then she kicks it. And it, like, throws her down. And then it's going to just execute her for kicking him. How dare you? (laughs) This robot that doesn't feel is like, I will, how dare you? I will murder you for this. But not before she's saved. Yeah, uh... Yeah, because Kodai shoots him a bunch of times. Uh, there is an earthquake. There's a quake that causes some of the gummies to fall into the cliff because they... How do you bring up that geyser thing without actually doing it? Uh, so they have that. Uh, and then he's like, she's like, you saved me. And he's like, look out! And he knocks her down because a tank opens fire at them. Uh, and then what happens? They're about to get killed by a tank. But then it blows up because a jet flies by because it's the white-haired girl who didn't go home. Mm-hmm. And that's, and then he, he like looks at, he's like, hey, I just used this old gun. And he looks at it and his brother's name is written on it. And he's like, oh my God. And then he goes and finds out that the ship uh, is the Yukikaze, which was his brother's ship. So that's what happened to his brother's ship. I still am not entirely against the idea that his brother isn't dead. Because they uh, specifically don't point out his corpse. That's, yeah, I feel like if he had a corpse, it would show Kodai, like, no! Finding out. Yeah, like, you'd think, or Kodai would be motivated to go and find it, right? Like, um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. So, anyways, Mor- Mori is now has a better view of Kodai because he shot robots for her. He saved her. Yeah, I just wrote you could see woman, and I don't know what that means. I know what it means. What? When the white-haired lady goes back. Oh, yes! Uh, she, she steps out of the ship, and you can see her curves and her chest. And She's like very, clearly a female body And they figure, go, yeah. remove your helmet, soldier. Yeah, and then one guy goes, oh. When she removes it, they go, what? Yeah, and it's like, like you... You could see her body shape that it wasn't a man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really funny how surprised they were. And then Kodai talks uh, briefly with the captain about finding his brother's ship. And then uh, his captain just goes, We got, we have to make sure the Earth doesn't follow Yukikaze's fate. And <laughs> we just it. said, Frozen on one of the moons of Saturn? Yeah, I think we can accomplish that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was Star Blazers, Space Battleship Yamato, Episode 4. Uh, graveyard on a Frozen Plane. And we're just giving it its score now. What do you think I gave this one? An 8. So you think I liked it more than the last episode? Yes. I gave it an 8.4, because I liked it a lot more than the last episode. Mm. I liked that there was, like, danger, and it wasn't just them explaining concepts the entire time. And at multiple points... Characters' plot lines progressed a little bit, too. Like, the white-haired woman actually did something, and that might lead to co- com- conflict with the priest guy. And uh, Because he doesn't like women. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, he we're, we're starting, like, he's... Things are happening and characters are interacting, whereas the last episode was literally, we have two things to show you, and we're going to take 20 minutes to show you these two things. So this one was, like, exciting and battly and stuff. How about you? What do you mean, Abumi? What score did you give it? I don't know. What did I give it? You gave it a 6.8. No. What? I guessed it? You guessed it! <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how good you're getting at no uh, And now I'm thinking of some of the reasons. Heavier on the robot this episode. Yeah. Pretty predictable in yeah. terms of its plot devices and twists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think you thought tank combat was super cool. Probably. No. And also you were slightly irritated. I think you were irritated at the convenience of them uh, having to go to the moon on Saturn. We, yes, because they talk about, ah, we can't delay our trip. Mm -hmm. It takes two days to get, like, it takes two, it's going to take us two days on that moon. Like, it's going to take a while. We can't go to this distress signal. Oh, conveniently, there's rocks we need on there. Okay, we'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is It is a very convenient plot device to avoid having the characters actually have an argument yeah. where someone, like, wins. It's it's very much also, Godzilla. Also, really? King- fist bump? Mm, ah, fist. your father, he also flew? Okay, cool. I was going to say, it's a, pl- it's a real plot resolution of having Godzilla and King Kong fight and being like, well, we can't have one of them win, so we need Mecha Godzilla to show up so they team up. Yeah. Remember that movie? It's disappointing. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's Star Blazers Space Battleship Yamato. And now we're going to go watch, unless you have anything else you want to say. No. And uh, then we're going to go watch Dance, 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 Dancer Episode 4. <laughs> Maybe this one will just make me weep. It might make, make you weep this episode. It might make me weep. It's been trending that direction. All right. We'll... <laughs> the hiccups.
Now I have to go watch a show. You're not a fish. And then? I didn't cry. Uh, before we jump into that. Oh. (laughs) Well, I didn't cry during that either. Um, we were leaving the office, Mm -hmm. and lovely Rybert. Kmit's chair is is interesting. Uh, it's uh, what it's a meditation chair. It's very very flexible. It's also very wide. It takes up a lot of. Uh, well, here's the thing: <laughs> is you can move a chair out of the way. You can move chairs out of the way. Uh, and I'm on the inside of the desk. So when I was leaving with my coffee, I tripped on the <laughs> chair and spilled coffee like over. A wide section of the room <laughs> All over the floor. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think you just heard me go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and then silence. Yeah. And I had to come check yeah. to see if, uh, if you had alive. died. Yeah. yeah, just like that time I fell down the stairs. But at least when I fell down the stairs, I kept moaning till someone showed up. <laughs> You know, I, I did. I was there for a bit, and I was definitely going like. By the end, I was going. Is anyone gonna come? Oh, <laughs> hello. I was sleep. No, you never said hello. No, I didn't. I was sleeping on the couch listening to you. <laughs> yeah, you you were, and my cries for help went unheeded for a while. Well, it didn't sound like you fell down that many. Mm. So. I- <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I'm gonna um, die. One but day. while while I was lecturing mm-hmm. Rybert on Being the fact that you can just push a chair out of the way and you don't have to fight it, mm-hmm. I almost fell down the stairs. Yeah, you did. <laughs> My heel hit the stair and threw me forward. Yeah, so we both almost died in this. In uh. Which ironically and then we watched, was right before a very elegant. Yeah, but watch people gracefully do <laughs> ballet for twenty minutes. So my shoulders sore now, so that's fun. Uh, okay. uh, so this episode was titled "I Can Do Ballet Now," uh, and it just starts out with Luo flashing back to being slapped a bunch as a child. No, like the first one that it flashes back to though is him doing the splits yeah. and the grandma like shoving him to the ground yeah, yeah, so being, that his splits were yeah. better. Uh, and then Luo comes down and sees the ending of the last episode. Uh, he sees the end of the last episode where he reveals his hair and uh, the teacher is like, holy crap, Junpei, you can't have short hair. <laughs> uh, and then they all scream. Uh, and he witnesses her then. Uh, Junpei, s- oh yeah, he brings gifts for the teacher. Because his mom tells him to. Yeah. And then... We are told that his mom has known the whole time mm-hmm. and has kind of just let him deal with this yeah. <laughs> whole inner turmoil. Yeah, yeah. You're on your own, kid. Uh, yeah, yeah. The mom always knew that he was into ballet. And she's also like, yeah, and I know you've been doing it recently because your sister told me. And it's like, wait, my sister knew? <laughs> just everyone knew. And she was like, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um... So he talks with his teacher and he talks about how he actually wants to be Rothbart in the dance because he thinks character dancers are more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the teacher explains that the prince is kind of like the pinnacle of of ballet. Uh, and it's if you can master being the prince, you basically can be whatever character you want because you're at such a high level that it, you can do anything. 
Uh, and then she says it would be impossible for him to be a prince in Russia, in the dance capital of the world, Russia. So yeah, he says that he wants to then dance in Russia after she says it's impossible. And she laughs, and then she says, what a stupid pipe dream. And uh, later on, we flash back, and it, she then says, yeah, I think the same thing for you. Uh, he goes to school and just starts ballet dancing in the hallway. And uh, then his his friend is like, God, he's so loud. Ah, uh, yeah, she says the biggest issue for him ballet dancing is that he is too short. Uh, he goes up and starts dancing on the roof of the school, and Miyako, Miyako shows up there, and she's happy that he's dancing. And then she's like, oh my god, you shaved your head. And he's like, yeah, you want to touch it? It feels really funny. And then she starts rubbing his head, and he just goes, ballet is the best. Uh, he goes to the school again, and then uh, the teacher basically just makes him do bar work the whole time. And then uh, he, he complains that he's been doing bar work for a few days, and then she's like, all right, do the routine. And he, he does a routine, and then she just tears him apart, uh, points out that he is, like, entering things at the wrong angle, and he's using too much brute force, and it doesn't look as good. So he hasn't, like, mastered these concepts. Uh, he can't even finish a turn if done properly. So uh, he basically spends an entire month uh, working, doing like the basics of ballet. And let's see. Anytime he dances, he sings. And it's really cute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime he dances, he sings. And yeah, he's just learning the basics and doing bar work for a straight month, which is driving him a bit nuts. His teacher gives him, like, thick-soled shoes, and that will apparently help his feet work better. Yeah, she she talks about how basically everyone else has ten years of advantage learning the basics on him. I think throughout the episode it shows little snippets of, like, very fast snippets of Luo's gram grandma just being... Just being abusive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, it just will flash to, like, a quick ten-second thing of him being slapped. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's slapping and saying Mazuru could, and I, I don't know who that is, but maybe that's a character that'll show up later on. Luo also, uh, we learn, is has a deal with the ballet instructor to... Uh, he has to win MVP at his school in the dance festival to be able to compete overseas so that he can get uh, scholarships to go into schools. Is the dance festival at the school? Because she said school and then festival separately. Oh, she did, yeah. But uh, she has to, I think, he has to get MVP at the festival, right? That's he, the thing. Yeah, at the festival, but I think he also has to show up to school. Yeah, he has to attend lessons, which he's not doing right now. He hasn't been attending any of his lessons. Uh, and then he's, uh, they're gonna go do the thing where, uh, Mieko gives him a key so he can go into the studio at night, but they can't find the key. And, uh, they go down and they open the door, they hear the music from Don Quixote playing, and Luo sees Junpei, like, in a fantasy sequence, dancing as a prince in Don Quixote. And then we have a reveal that he's just doing bar work. But it's beautiful bar work. It's beautiful bar work. 
And then he falls over. And then he falls over because he's totally exhausted, yeah. Uh, the mom, his mom, Junpei's mom catches him coming in late at night. And she's like, you're only sleeping like four hours a night. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I can do it. I think she's it. catching him leaving. Oh, catching him leaving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then and then he, she's like, no, I'm not worried about you. you. You don't need to sleep that much. I'm kind of worried about your teacher. And then it just flashes to her looking like she's aged. Totally exhausted, yeah. Uh, and eventually, she actually lets him, this is now one month in, I believe, like they have one month to the thing. Uh, she lets him actually perform the uh, routine with with Miyako uh, because he's been watching them do the choreo together. And they do it, and it looks really good. But like, Miyako's a little flustered. Yeah, well, because he gets super into it, and he's doing, like, the acting uh, element of it, in that he is super... Uh, he is playing a young man who falls in love with a, a beautiful woman he sees, and he basically is that, and he is... I don't know if he's actually focusing that much on her, though. I think he's... Focusing on the dance? Yeah, I think he's really excited to be doing the dance. I think that too, And she's more focused on him. Yeah, I think you're right. Because she she starts getting, like, kind of coquettish and embarrassed uh, when they're dancing. And then, yeah, and the the instructor even points that out to her. And she's like, no, I wasn't put off. And he's like, she was put off? Um, But uh, she's still... He still forgets a ton of the basics while he's doing it, so she's telling it. She tells him he has to focus on like the technical precision of dancing instead of the emotional aspect of it. Uh, he realizes Luo is probably avoiding him, and that's why he's not coming into classes. So he waits till late at night for him to come in and basically like ambushes him to talk about dancing. Uh, and they do a bit of a routine together that ends with Luo choking him, like holding his hand around his neck. And Junpei just goes, I didn't know that was part of the choreography. That's cool. That's a cool move. Well, he doesn't quite say that. No. He just kind of kind of makes a joke out of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, he kind of brushes it off. And then they talk. He talks about, he asks him why he danced at the school like when he was bullied and pushed out in front of everybody and how people have kind of like he he says that luo changed a lot of people's minds and luo disagrees with him and uh it results in junpei basically telling him it's like you changed my life and now i can do what i want because of you specifically and then he thanks him yeah and he thanks him and that kind of seems like it breaks through uh his his exterior a little bit uh, and he says, yeah, I might be a monkey compared to you, but if you don't come into practice, I'm just going to keep getting better, and then one day I'll be better than you. And then he chokes him back. Because he clearly knew it wasn't knew, part of the car. Yeah, he knew <laughs> that he was pissed off at him. And they basically, well, th- this is them fully entering the, like, we will be friends who are rivals who make each other better section of their of the show. And yeah, that's it. That's the... Uh, do you have any other notes? Anything you want to say about that? No? Okay. Uh, and I guess we give it a score. What do you think I gave it? An 8.2. You gave it an 8.9. Oh. I like this one. A lot. Yeah, although I need to think about my scoring. Uh, yeah, well, I'll stick with it. I like this one uh, a lot. I, I My scoring is inconsistent because I think I still like the last one more because the last one was devastating. But I did enjoy this one quite a bit. And I think you gave this a 8.7? 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.7. 8.
7.8. Took a bit of a dip? Yeah. Was it, uh, what What about it? I don't know. I just wasn't quite vibing with it. Yeah? Yeah. You just weren't in it as much? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. All right, great. Uh, we have that. Any other notes? Yeah, the singing was probably the funnest thing about this is uh, him on the bar. Do you remember what he was saying when he was he singing? He was saying tedious, <laughs> um, boring, boring, tedious, non-stop bar work or yeah, something yeah, like but, that. And he's just going like, boring, tedious, non-stop bar work. <laughs> and like in the rhythm of the dance he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, it was... It was very funny. And then him actually dancing with Miyako was the other, like, animation peak of the episode, probably. I will never dislike the opening. The opening is beautiful. Just beautiful. All right. I think that's pretty much all we have to say about Dance, Dance, Dancer this week. Uh, And now it's time for Kokoku, which, once again, it's, it's the Razor's Edge one. Which way will it fall? Good or bad, Kokoku will always remain a mystery. All right. We'll be back. And then? Can't believe I tripped on the chair again. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay, we watched episode four of Kokoku. Anyone want to take a bet on what the name of this episode was? The fourth moment. <laughs> Who knew? Who would have guessed? So uh, the last episode ended with a cliffhanger involving a stabby man appearing behind the main character, ready to stab her, and that cliffhanger was resolved. It literally starts where it ended. The grandpa just grabs him and teleports him around. Yeah, and then she just pushes him out of stasis eventually, uh, and she's like, wait. She does that because he's about to stab the grandpa. You're right, the grandpa is about to, like, get killed. Uh, And then she's like, I think I was in stasis before. (laughs) And then we get to see uh, that she was. Mm -hmm. There's, throughout the episodes we have watched, we keep seeing a girl with a dog and no explanation. And this episode actually explained that that was Jury and her dog that was about to die. So they went into stasis. And so she could spend a bit more time with it. But I mean, she was just spending time with the frozen dog. And yeah, it was a pretty sad scene because it's just the grandpa with uh, Jury as a kid. And she's just crying and hugging the dog. And he's like, eventually we have to leave. Um, and then he, he tries to convince her to go. And she just pushes him out. Well, tries to. He doesn't she, get fully pushed out. Yeah, because if he did, he'd never see her again, basically. You're right. Yeah, she would have just been stuck there forever, probably. And then we see our, what we assume villain also was pushed out of stasis by... Yeah, the black-haired girl, you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so she was fully pushed out. And yeah, Gramps was only, like, half pushed out, which is why he can go and retrieve her. Um, but it, the the effect of when she pushes him out was really cool, because she st- suddenly started moving really fast. And he was like, why are you going so... Why is everything slowing down? Oh, shit, I'm leaving Stasis. Yeah, and then he kind of fights back, and I think stays. Well, yeah. obviously he stays. Yeah, he's he's powerful enough to be able to fight her thing, it seems like. Um, and then he, he tells her that's why he never taught her how to use the spell. Because he was worried he was worried that she would use it. She starts yelling at him about why he didn't throw out the stone. Mm-hmm. And while they're having this argument, more men show up and go, There they are! 
are. Yeah, and then they start running away, and and like the grandpa is just exhausted because they've just been running from people for like he's a day. Old. And he's old, and they teleport, and then she's like, "Teleport again," and he's like, "I can't." And then one of them, I I feel like the weirdly the inciting incident is that one of the guys chasing them calls her Miss Tits. Yeah, <laughs> and then she has a whole bunch of flashbacks about everything that bad that has happened but mm. there's super fast flashbacks yeah and she just says i'm tired of this yeah and then she just pushes all of them out easily <laughs> yeah some like cool music starts and yeah. she just starts she throws the rock and it freezes in front of their face and yeah. then she just paps them all I, I have to say oh that was really cool yeah when it like she uses it as a distraction and then the last guy she's cornered uh, she co- corners him she's like miss tits huh and he was like no it's not like that i i prefer smaller ones <laughs> uh yeah i i like that the a thing i really appreciate is that this show did it acknowledged the thing that if they didn't acknowledge it, I would have been really irritated at this episode is, well, now that she has this ability, why doesn't she just use it constantly to kick out everybody trying to kill them? And her answer to that is, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so then there's this little montage of her grandpa <laughs> holding people and teleporting them and then her pushing them out of stasis. Yeah, yeah just, she just takes them down. It's awesome. <laughs> and then they do it to everyone and she goes oh well done that yeah 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 and then they're like hungry and it's really cute they still pay for food yeah they they go into a place and they pay for some food and we watch her try to drink something for the first time get it kind of stuck and be like what the hell and then just bite it yeah uh she remembers the black-haired girl as well um and they go back to find their family like their the nephew and the brother, and they realize they're gone. And they're like, what the heck? And then she's even like, it looks like his restraints. It looks like he pulled out of them himself. And then she sees one of the guys that were moving, mm-hmm. no longer moving, and she kind of puts together, wait, if those people die, can other people be, like, transported to the stasis? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, she kind of already has a working theory on what what's going on. Um... Uh, this is when you started pointing out that th- this episode, more than any episode of the show, is using fisheye lens effects on people's close-up faces a ton. Yeah, like a lot. And not even in just certain scenarios. They walk into the store and they just it's have a fish it for islands. some and, it, and it's not even important characters. It's almost like every character in this episode gets one at one point. Yeah. Some uh, are creepier than others. Some are creepier than others, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they yeah they go into the store. Uh, they then because she is concerned about her brother, it then cuts to the brother and what he's doing with the nephew, and they go to visit the nephew's mom at the grocery store. Uh, but first, we have a scene where once we this show only really seems to have one way of establishing that guys suck in it. The very. And it's always Rips. sexual. Yeah, they're always... So it's just a guy cleaning blood off his shirt. And then he's like, this woman's stealing scum. And then he looks at her boobs and he's like, hey. And then he gets distracted by the brother and nephew entering the store. And the nephew does a very cute thing where his mom, while frozen in stasis, she was dropping a ton of tomato cans. And he goes, boop, boop, boop. Well, he picks them up and then says, you don't have to worry anymore. Yeah, so now she's just falling down with nothing around her. <laughs> Much like me. Uh, then 
Uh, yeah, and then uh, th- that scene more or less just establishes that now the bad people... Because the, the guy with blood on his shirt hides and hears the brothers say, Okay, let's go home now. So the bad people know where they're going. Um, they then cut to the dad being interviewed again by the cult leaders. And they talk about scrawling on the object of worship, the stone that freezes time. And they wrote, like, it's Ryoge... Simiha, something like that. I don't know what it means. And then they also write effort on it. Uh, so those are things written on the stone, apparently. They also have a moment where the bad guys say something along the lines of, your family's using it for personal gain. <laughs> yeah, and the dad whose life is shit is just like... I have never once seen this rock. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about this rock. My life is terrible. I'm not using it for personal gain. Uh, they basically tried... They're, they're just trying to manipulate the dad into giving them what they want as the quote-unquote head of the household. Uh, and they're like, yeah, what, are you going to change and just start doing good with it? I doubt it, but maybe we could. That sort of deal. Um, and the, it ends with the cult leader saying, why don't we all just go back to our own lives? Uh, we have the, the black-haired woman is talking with her gang, and they're, like, intercut with the main character taking water out of a fountain, cupping it in her hands. That was Jury that did that. Yeah, Jury does that. Uh, it's intercut while the other gang is talking. Oh. We just see, uh, but like, and that was disturbing. It was really disturbing to watch her pick up water. Yeah. Uh, and this is when we find out, and it's kind of already been implied, but we find out through the black-haired woman that they can't leave Stasis without the Master Stone. The stone the cult was using is not powerful enough to get them out so One they guy has like a broken nose and just wants to he leave. wants to go to the hospital <laughs> yeah um and yeah and then they just have a conversation and i felt like this conversation wasn't necessary in how long it took i felt like it really lagged in the latter half of the episode uh, it felt like they were kind of killing time because they just kept talking about like well we can eat here and I guess we should try and find them, but we might not be able to find them if they want to hide it. Maybe they're going to do this, and maybe they're going to do that. Uh, I don't know. They basically were stalling till a guy, the guy with the broken nose, had a breakdown. Yeah, yeah, and then the guy with the broken nose has a breakdown, and he tries to snap a stalled neck. And Harold shows up. Yeah, and it can't crush his head this time. No, it just swings him around till his neck breaks. Yeah, it just ragdolls him about <laughs> yeah, like flings him back and forth. But it before it does that, its arm starts to break down. Yeah, like crumble and kind of So then it swings him around till his neck snaps. And then what happens to the Herald? It falls over. It falls over. Dead. And then the lady just immediately walks up and starts digging around in it. Mm-hmm. And she pulls out is it like, it's like a head attached to... It looks like a head and lungs. Yeah, a head just attached. There's just a human head inside the dust of the Herald attached to some lungs. And uh, it it's weird. It, it's weird looking. And then she talks about, she just knows all this stuff. And she just says, yeah. So Heralds are people who have just stayed in stasis. That's, that's what happens. They get turned into Heralds. And we basically end with, Finding out her whole family yeah. turned into Harold. She, I watched it happen to my entire family, and that's the credits. So, like, less of a dramatic stabby-stab cliffhanger, which I appreciate. Yes, I'm kind of <laughs> glad that they didn't do, oh, Jerry's in danger! Yeah, yeah, They. she was kind of, 
She was it like besides just resolving the fact that they were being chased, she wasn't a huge part of this she got episode. Really badass. She got bad. I love. I do love. Uh, I I wrote down a score and I'm actually bumping it up because I forgot how much I liked the first half of the episode. I just didn't love the second half. Uh, do we have? Oh, they keep using the metaphor, and I'm sure it's a metaphor that'll come back. Is the heralds are like the white blood cells, and we're like the bacteria. And then like one of the characters says that, and then the other guy goes. So we're like the bacteria, and they're the they white blood cells. They say it kind cells. of in a different way, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same difference, guys. Yeah, yeah. They just keep, <laughs> and it's like, wow, I think they want us to get this point. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I... Yeah, well, it's funny. It's one more thing I want to point out, just because that conversation did lag, and I love the way the woman is talking. She's like, well... There's a, you know, they say that the religion says there's only one herald, but who knows? There could be dozens. And then like two minutes later, she says, <laughs> my I whole family, I saw my entire family get turned into heralds. It's like, why were you saying there could be dozens? You know, there's more than one. <laughs> I haven't seen any other reason for the heralds to come out rather than messing with the stall. So I'm starting it, to think that that is the only rule. Yeah, and I, I, if it is, I'm a bit disappointed because I want there to be something like, oh, you did a cartwheel, can't do cartwheels in the, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like if there were other rules to break, I think that would be cool because then you could have it be like if someone knows a certain rule and someone else doesn't, they could trick them into breaking it and stuff. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that comes up, but it's starting. We're now four episodes in, so that's a quarter. A no, that's a third of the show already, and we haven't encountered another one. And people are only dying when they threaten stalled. Yeah. Uh, all right. I I don't have anything else to say. What do you want to give her? Give a rating. What do you think I gave it? Six point seven. See, I was going to give it six point eight, and then I remembered how badass Jury was in the beginning, and I decided to change it to seven. Oh. Because the first half was great. I really the second half felt like a. Not filler, it just felt like nothing happened in the second half. Yeah, I think it's because it's a lot of the stuff they said is just common sense. So you're like, yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've already thought of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've con- and, uh, and the most interesting thing to follow right now would be Jury and her grandfather and the brother and the... The, the brother and the nephew, I'd say, are the most, like, interesting threads to me. I just feel like her grandpa's gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> Oh, that would so- Oh my god, and then the grandpa- the grandpa could have a heart attack, and then she's doing CPR on him, and then- Just he watching just, the- Yeah, yeah, the jelly- and then he just freezes, like, Aww. oh, that'd be horrifying. Uh, yeah, yeah, the grandpa's gotta get taken out at some point, because teleportation is still incredibly powerful. I mean, she's also now probably the most powerful character. Yeah, I, I thought it was- it was okay. It wasn't- it needs it, it's treading water a bit, and I would like it to develop d- to do something that surprises me. No. Yeah. Uh, what do you give it? Oh, I guess. Why do I always ask you? Uh, I think you gave it a seven point six. I gave it a seven point eight. Oh, nice! Dance, 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 soar, and kukulku are seven the same right now. Yeah. What did you give Star Blazers again? Uh. I think that one has the most. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of point, eight, point eight. This <laughs> a lot of eights, just not in the first digit. Okay, uh, seven point eight. Yeah, this is a 
much like last week, these the most of the episodes overall are just kind of a bit more lower. Yeah, they uh, kind of dropped the ball. And except Dance Dance Dancer last week was incredible. I need to change my score for Dance Dance Dancer this week because <laughs> uh, I forgot how good the last one is. Ah, whatever, it doesn't matter. I doubt any of these are getting eliminated based on high dive. Uh, okay, so yeah, that's our score for Kokoku. Now I I got gotta pull up high dive. You think we're going to get something even remotely watchable this week? I don't know. We haven't for a while. <laughs> okay, uh... I thought it was only giving you the chance to have a free trial. I that's <laughs> inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, only free trials for this now. Okay, we have the dubs page pulled up. The last show we watched was... Pat Labor. Was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Oh, I, my brain erased the last show we watched. Uh, God, what was that called? We can just start from the top. Yeah, we can just start from the top. I unless don't. I see mm-hmm. it. Nope, there it is. Ugh. Nakaimo, my little sister, is among them. Oh. You know, I'm really thinking in Star Blazers that blonde woman's going to turn out to be his little snow. Uh, okay, so I gave the first digit last time, so you can do it this time, and then I'll give the second digit. Well, Say 32. 32, and we're going up this time, and then I will give a four. One, two, three. And then? Three, four. Bloom into you. All right, 4.6 overall, 7.9 out of 10 on my anime list. You has always dreamt of receiving a young, uh, young confession. You has always dreamt of receiving a love confession but feels nothing when a boy gives her one. Confused, she starts her first year of high school and meets Toko. Will Yu's heart finally skip a beat? I really like that the character's name is Yu, and it says bloom into you. Mm, that is But fun. two different Yu's. Uh, here's a thing that gives me a great deal of hope. This is rated TVPG. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Oops! <laughs> Uh, so we are probably not no going to be... Yeah, nothing horrible. Okay, uh, we're going to watch the first episode of Bloom Into You and then come back and say what we think. Man, we almost watched Call of the Night, which, I mean, oh. Ah, uh, yikes. If only it's exclusive. Said 33. Or Bodacious Space Pirates. Damn, we missed a lot. Okay, we'll be back. And then... We have a problem. Yeah. And we have a decision to make at some I, point. I kind of knew it was going to be a little bit of a problem because the first... I am a sucker for beautiful art. Yeah. And, and art, it starts with an underwater that's thing. That's very just, well done. It's so It does a bit of more 3D kind of... Yeah, not it 3D, uses that. Uh, what's it called? Like more solid thing you don't like very much. More solid thing I don't like very much. Uh, it's not called 3D. It's called I, I it's the type of animation. Newer animation does it a lot. And it's not 3D. I didn't think and that was not what it two was point, Like when they're used just having 3D models in with... Like more... Not more square. <laughs> like there's... It looks like paper. It doesn't look like paper. Oh, okay. I kind of... I kind of understand what you, you mean. Pi- you point it out all the time and say you don't like it in animation. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the phrase that I'm talking about. Uh, it's not a phrase. It's a it's a type the, of style. The type of style. I don't know what that. 
What the hell is Okay, how would you explain this style? This style, I would say, is probably... You, you said that this is pastel colored. It's... No, no, I meant the art style, not the color. The shading is... No, not no. the color. I guess we'll go with three-dimensional for now, but... Was it? Because they, they weren't 3D models, I didn't think. Ah, you're bothering me! Okay. <laughs> no, it's the type of art that you don't like. It's when, um... Like, Inuyasha is not that. Inuyasha is not that. Inuyasha looks like it's paper. This one does not look like it's on... It looks blocky. Like it has... Depth? Yeah. Okay. What, what's the animation type? You hate it. You point it out all the time in anime. I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, Seven Deadly Sins has similar... Oh, like the, the Seven Deadly Sins movie or just the show itself? Has it? I don't know. You tell me. I'm assuming you're talking about the movie because I don't like. I think you're. I think it is just 3D. That's the. We're gonna have to delete all of this. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to delete like ten. So okay. So I, I honestly didn't notice it, it. It the. When she's walking and you're looking at the plants. Oh yeah. It's very weird. It kind of is. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And the it's word... It's plasticky looking. Yeah, yeah, yes. I know. It's almost like plasticine figurines or yes. something. Yeah, okay. I, I don't... I, I would, I guess, just say 3D, but I don't actually know for sure if that's what it is. Um, I feel like you had a different word for it. Prob- probably. And one day, one day I'll remember it and it won't be during this podcast and I'll be like, damn it! <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I did. I, I'll say it. I liked the art in this. Uh, I liked most of the art. Most, yeah. I didn't was... like when it started. It didn't always look plasticky. Yeah. But there were there were sections that were very... I thought the underwater... Because, yeah, the, as you said, the opening is underwater. And it is... Um, trans, And it transitions to her bedroom really elegantly. Um, um, and you're talking about colors. It has gentle colors. Yeah. Kind of pastel-y. Very pink. Yes, and uh, overall, I would say it's just a very gentle show so far, too, which I appreciate. It's a Everyone very... Everyone talks very gently. Yeah. I think you even said, is this one of the least toxic animes yeah. <laughs> ever? And then and then it led into someone being kind of aggressive, more aggressive than I expected, and maybe it's wanted, maybe it's not. We'll see. Well, maybe we won't I think see. it was just surprising. I think it was just surprising. Yeah, because it, it's a thing. Because it, it wasn't... She wasn't struggling. Yeah. You know? I so I really appreciate that that this episode is called Can't Reach the Star. I and can't reach the star. I can't reach the star, thank you. There's an eye there. And it is um once again, it's so gentle that you barely even notice it, but it almost seems a bit like it's a meditation on despair, because the main character opens with a monologue where she never no one says the word no, someone, the main character never says the word love. But and other people the o- say Other people say the word love a lot. But she describes it as the symbol, the, the, the four-letter word uh, represented by this bird is too big for someone like me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and uh, she immerses herself in romance literature and media and stuff and feels like she's drowning because she's never experienced love before. And it's... It's sad, but it's once again just so gentle that you're barely, you're not like, oh god, you're just like, yeah. It also has a scene where she's eating with her friends, mm-hmm. and she just feels, 
they're talking about love and yeah. boys, and she feels a disconnect. Yeah. And it shows that by her being a visual of her being further away, like sitting further yeah. away in the shadows while they're sitting in light. While a beam of light is coming down to them. And what, yeah, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really elegant in its simplicity and the, the art they actually do for it is, like, it's very simple, but it's, it's all very well done. It's, it's like beyond competent. It's, it's better than, like, it's expressive art, let's say. Uh, yeah, so uh, the conflict is she started her first year of high school. The main character is named you, blooming into you. <laughs> you pointed that out to me. Uh, and she, she is, uh, like, she's had a texts, text message that she's looking at quite a bit uh, and clearly is causing her a bit of anxiety. We didn't have subtitles for what the text message said, so we can only make supposition as to what is being discussed in them. And at the beginning or the end of their graduation and beginning of the school year, I yeah. guess, someone confessed to her. Yeah. And she is having a hard time figuring out how to let him down, basically. Pretty much. Because she, she, he confessed to her and then she said, can I have some time? And then it's, it's the start of the new school year. So we have had at least a fairly decent gap. Between... I think she says it's a month. Yeah, a month. Yeah. So she's, uh, this, this guy's been waiting for a month to hear back from her. Um, her friends are all in clubs already, and they're like, you need to join a club for school, for the high school experience. And, uh, and she doesn't know what to pick. She can't pick one. She doesn't seem to want to join a sports club. And then the teacher just somehow tricks her into student council? Into student council, yeah. Also... Not a creepy teacher. Yeah. Not a, ooh, you're single, go for the teacher. No, it was a very innocent, I am teacher, you are student. <laughs> it was, I, I said it to you, it's like, it's nice to have a teacher walk into a room in an anime and not immediately assume this man is going to be a sexual predator because of how often we've encountered that trope in anime. Yeah. Or, like, not just sexual predator, or just legitimate dating prospect. Also very uncomfortable. So, yeah. Uh, she is told to join the student council, uh, and she is, like, given directions to it that are behind. Just go to the back of the school. You'll get there. And she she has a little map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they drew her a map to get to student council. But uh, on her way there, she... Walks into someone else's confession. <laughs> yes. Uh, so there is, uh, we don't know their name yet, but there is a black-haired woman who is a man confessing his love and asking her out. And she puts it down so softly. She also says, I don't want to be cliche by, and then doesn't say the cliche part of a sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's not you, and I don't want to be cliche, because then she would say, if she was being cliche, but it's, but it's me. me. But instead, she just goes, there are just things that I just don't want to do right yeah. now. <laughs> I, I would say no to anyone, is what she says, basically. Yeah, it's... Uh, and she learns this is the head of the student council, uh, Toko? Toko is the black-haired yeah. lady. Toko. Uh, and she is... Uh, she, like, is peering around the corner at her. And he then, is. 
You is, yes. You is peering in the corner of Toko. And then Toko's like, oh, hi, who are you? And she fumbles out in a very adorable, like... <laughs> a, and panics. Yeah. And he's like, I, I, I didn't mean to watch it. I'm sorry. But from the lighting and, like, from the subjective, like, you, she's looking at her and there's things happening to, like, her eyes and there's sparkles around Toko and stuff. So you already get the impression that she has a fascination with this person almost immediately. We don't know what that fascination is, though. No, we don't. Uh, and it's not ex- her actual perspective on how she feels about Toko isn't actually stated in this episode. Um, There's a moment when they're in the student council and they pour tea. Yeah. Like they pour water over the tea bag. And the artwork. It's kind of a long scene, but watching the tea bag slowly soak into the water as they pour mo- wa- more water in. Yeah. Was just so peaceful to watch. Like, mm-hmm. it just felt good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was, it made me, I want tea. And I think I'm going to make tea after this episode. <laughs> um, and let's see. So she, uh, the student council building is also like gorgeous. It's like this building in the woods that they have to walk through the woods to get to. And it's this old, beautiful building. Okay, so we, uh, I think this is when we actually have the scene of her talking with her friends, and her friends are talking about boys. Uh, one of her friends is super into another boy in the high school, and then one of her friends says a thing that, like, makes me sad, it's like, high school boys are too young for me. <laughs> and, and I couldn't help myself from saying, ah, so you're into pedophiles. <laughs> 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 Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there, and that's when she feels this sense of alienation. I mean, we saw the show had the uh, label LGBTQ, and I mean, we have the suspicion we have at least suspicions that she that she is queer, yeah. possibly, or maybe I, I, I kind of doubt it, but I wouldn't totally put it past the show to have her actually be an asexual person, maybe. But they can feel, like, asexual people experience love. They just don't necessarily... So, like, that's the thing. Her her conflict is she's never at least acknowledged or known that she was feeling love. Asexual people are still people. Yeah, they're still people. They're still... still, Yeah, yeah. They're gonna have feelings. They just don't... Yeah. Physical. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so her, her sexuality is not clear at this point, but seems like it's possible that she feels alienated from... Her, like, heterosexual friends based on partially that. They do point out I, my yeah, no, no schedule worries. of how things happened is totally, totally off. But her, she's talking with her friends about Toko. Mm-hmm. Toko? Toka? Toko. Uh, it's like T-O-U-K-O, I believe. Uh, Toko. Yeah. Um, and then they find out it's a girl and they kind of have a moment of... Oh, yeah. Oh, she's a girl. From how you were talking, we thought you were talking about a boy. Yeah, you're right. Which, she's, uh, which yeah. kind of gives like a oh. She's probably into wim- into women. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. There's so that we have that. I think I'm pretty sure that was that conversation. I totally missed taking that note. Oh, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that conversation. Uh, and then she also feels like she can't talk to her friends about the con- the boy who confessed to her. And I feel like she's worried that if she did, they would ask her, like, well, why don't we'll you push want to her date? Into yeah. Me. Yeah, you should date a, you, you, you know, try dating a guy. You'd like, you know. 
so then uh, she meets the other member of student council whose name I didn't write down. And uh, the other member of student council is talking to Toko and she's like, so you got rejected again or you've rejected someone else again, huh? And she's like, what? How do you know that? And she's like, you've underestimated my intelligence network. Although in this case, the guy just told me himself. <laughs> and then she basically just said, since she says no to everyone, everyone just kind of takes a shot. Yeah, everyone's like, I want to, I want to, why not? What do I have to lose? And then they point out even girls yeah, have and made confessions. The main character definitely gets flustered by the idea of girls also asking her. Yeah. Um. Let's see. And then she just said, I never get the appeal. And uh, specifically, this really sticks with you. Uh, Toko says, no one has ever made my heart flutter. Yeah. Or at least, she doesn't say no one has ever made my heart flutter. None of the people who've asked have, have made, ever have made yeah. my heart flutter. Um, and then some random guy joins student council, and then we don't see him again. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He's going to join. And then the next day at student council, it's just like the two of them. Yeah. And they say, the guy's joining tomorrow. Yeah, he'll, <laughs> he'll be here tomorrow. It's just you and me today. Uh, yes, and she sends a text. Because of what she hears from Toko, she sends a text to the guy who's been waiting to hear from her. Which I can only assume is, can you give me a call? We should talk. Yeah. I'm guessing. is Based on what happens, that's what I am assuming she says. Um, and then, yeah, she goes right... She runs to the clubhouse, even. She is like... And then... There must be something we missed through the Japanese text because mm-hmm. she says, oh, no one's here. Yeah. Yeah, you're of right. Of course they're not. Yeah, it's not in time. Uh, so then she talks. Uh, Toko ends up being the only person who's attending the club that day. And they talk. They and- kind of talk about having your heart flutter. And yeah. she, Toko kind of understands that. And then uh, you, the first person you talks to about the boy is Toko. And it, and this is where you said, is this the least toxic? Yeah, because when they talk about it and she's like, well, do you know, I don't know, I don't know this guy, so I can't tell you what I think you should say or give you advice. And she's like, I know what I'm going to say. I want to say no to him. Um, and then she figures out kind of the gentlest way because yeah. Toko says... It's okay to not like someone. Yeah. Well, she says it, and like she gives probably the best pieces of text in the episode to me, where she's just talking about like, yeah, we, we live in this world where like all of our media is just fully immersed in the idea of love and we're just surrounded by it constantly. Which is ironic for the show, but yes. And if you're, <laughs> and if you're, if you aren't experiencing it, then it makes you feel like you're a broken person. And, then she talks about how, like, he told he was allowed to tell you how he felt about you. You're just as allowed to tell him how you feel about him. And there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. And that's when I was like, this is, <laughs> this is the least toxic thing I've ever watched in anime. And, yeah, and then she has a very gentle call with yeah. him. Yeah. And he says thank you, and she says thank you. And yeah. it is so... She lets him down really easy. She's not like, yeah, she's not cruel. She's just like, yeah, it's not. I just don't have the same feelings. Yeah. Uh, And throughout their entire conversation, uh, a thing that is all consistently calming you down is that Toko will like touch her head. Like when she's kind of getting panicked. 
And uh, when the phone call actually happens and she starts kind of freaking out about what to say, Toko just takes her hand as well. And they're holding hands while she's turning down the guy on the phone. And then when she hangs up the phone, she looks at the hands and says, my hand's not the one that's shaking. Yeah. Yeah. My hand isn't the sweaty one. And then maybe she tries to kind of like pull her hand away, but Toko keeps holding on. And then they kind of, she She kind of stumbles into her. She pulls her. Yeah. She pulls her. And then kind of hugs. Yeah. And like kind of holds her in an embrace. And then. But this is where it's not super aggressive is she doesn't struggle and she doesn't try to push her away. No, no. She's kind of just looking up at her because she is. Just surprised, I think. Yeah, she's surprised. And then Toko says something. I didn't write it down, but uh, it's something along the lines of, so you were saying you've never felt that way and you don't feel that way now? Do you do you not feel this kind of thing? Well, she says it in a way that you say you've never experienced that just like me. But I'm experiencing it. Yes, you're right. And then it kind of ends. And then I think you says, I don't understand. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, very sweet. Uh, very straightforward, very sweet uh, show. I, It's a show I want to watch more of, which is a problem. Did you give it a 7.8? Give it an 8.5. Oh. Yeah. What did you give it? I... Oh, uh, you gave it a 7.8. I gave it an eight. Nice. Wow, I gave it a higher score. Okay, sweet. Uh, yeah, it's a very sweet show. It's my my issue why mm-hmm. it didn't get more is just the pacing was just a teensy bit slow. It is fairly slow, and I'm more of a look at everything person. Yes, not a I want to stare at something for a very long time person. I, I think the things that bumped up the points for me in this one were. There were a lot of, like, monolo- Like, the main character, we didn't really discuss this, but she talks to herself a lot. Oh, there's, like, inner monologue, but it's outer. <laughs> yes, yes. Sometimes, it, and, like, uh, and specifically these speeches uh, about love at the beginning where she is avoiding saying the word love while talking so clearly about it. And when Toko is discussing the idea of love as well... I thought they were just very, very well-written pieces, and I thought that I think those are the things that really pushed it uh, into 8.5 for me. Yeah, it was uh, very, very peaceful. Yeah, very peaceful. Uh, now, we, we're going to do a little, something a little different. Yes. We will not be announcing who gets eliminated this week. Mostly because we don't know yet. We don't know, and we're going to have to work that out. Uh, and I, I, I'm personally moving away from the idea of basing it numerically on who wins. I think it's just we have to decide who gets taken out. Yeah. Uh, and we can either do that on the next podcast or we can do it before the next podcast and announce it. I feel like it's more dangerous to talk about which one we should get rid of on the podcast. <laughs> no, not Star Blazers, please! <laughs> No, I think we're just going to say which one we're getting rid of next. Yeah, that sounds good. Please don't do this. Please don't, don't, no, don't send it to Mars. And rem- Here's the thing. Yeah. If Star Blazers was the one to go, mm-hmm. there's no way you're getting me to watch more of it. <sighs> no, I'm pretty motivated to keep Star Blazers. <laughs> Star Blazers is... We're going to have a problem because I can't get rid of Dance Dance Dancer. I don't think. That's one I can't get rid of, but I love Star Blazers. And I don't know if I'm ready to get rid of Kokoku. I want to see what happens in Kokoku. This is tough, but I like this show too. But this show gives me good 
happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're in a tough position. So and... uh, we're not telling you. You mm. get to find out later. If I am found dead, I didn't trip. I went hard for Kokoku. No, I don't no, think... No, you would not go hard for Kokoku. You mean Star Blazers. Yeah, I went, hard, I went hard to defend Star Blazers, and I tried to take out Kokoku. Once again, canonically, whatever show we eliminate is dead. Is killed in front of all of the other shows. Or secretly watched. Or we will watch it secretly, because... And in fact, with no limits on how much we can watch, too. And then we don't have to talk about it. So arguably, that's... Arguably, <laughs> it's really like winning. Let's eliminate our favorites. <laughs> well, so the downside to that is yeah. if your favorite is just Star Blazers and you eliminate it... Mm-hmm. I'm never watching it again. Or I'm watching it alone. You're watching it alone. Yeah. And I never want to hear more about it. Well, you don't want to hear the adventures of Analyzer and the rest of the crew? I refuse to use that name. And it is just AU09. <laughs> <laughs> You 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 are you despise robots to the point where you will not let them have names. I like robots. Mm-hmm. I just don't like animated robots. Nah, you're right. Animated metal. That is the thing. One of my least favorite movies, not because of the premise, not because it's not funny, and not because it's not good. Robots. <laughs> <laughs> I have no opinion on robots, so I also don't like any of the cars movies. Mm, I I didn't watch any of the Cars movies, but from what I've heard, I wouldn't really like them all that much. And apparently, the first one is just is just what's it called? The dance one, the movie where dancing's not allowed in the town. Oh, it's uh, it's just dirty dancing. No, not dirty not dancing. Dirty, dirty dancing dance. is no that footloose. One? No, that's... it's not footloose. That Kevin well, Bacon footloose... makes a town dance. I can't remember now. Oh, or, you know what? No, I'm thinking of the one where, like, any sin or any normal thing brings color. Oh, you, wait, you've seen that movie? Uh, Pleasantville? Times. Yeah. Ah, uh, I want to watch Pleasantville. That movie I, looks I great. I watched it in school. Don't they bring sex to the 50s? Yeah. I think they bring sex to the 50s. In yeah, Ple- they do. I want to watch Pleasantville, yeah. That is not a good note to say why you want to watch it. I haven't seen Pleasantville, so maybe. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we have a contest going right now. Uh, this has become the bullshitting section of the... <laughs> so, uh, what do you want to have for lunch? <laughs> I'm thinking pasta. Mm, pasta's a good idea. Beets. Uh, okay. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say? One of, one of these beloved shows will be dead by the time you hear us again. If you want to guess, you can send us a message. Yeah. Yeah, send in a message at cry.mit.mode at gmail.com that is k-r-y dot m-i-t-t dot mode you know how to spell mode uh, <laughs> at gmail.com crymitmode at youtube I apologize profusely at stream stream that was going so well too I apologize profusely at streaming on twitch and I don't know if anyone ever wanted to send like sixty dollars <laughs> Through Gmail, like, just through a bank transfer. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Just send money. Just for no reason, If you have questions, Mm -hmm. comments. Yeah. If you want to hear something talked about, or you never want to hear something talked about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then send send it. Like it. Love it. Yeah, give us... If you hate it. Give us reviews. Then stop listening. Yeah, stop listening if you hate it. 
I guess that's it. That's all we have. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye, thanks. And bye. Bye.